Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Today will be the last part of a series that we're doing called Shaken. And I've been excited to see what God's been doing over the last four or five weeks in our church. And I've said this in the last few services. It's amazing what happens when people focus on prayer and fasting. How their lives are shaken, how a church is shaking, how things actually get turned upside down. And there's this divine equation that God has in Scripture that says when people focus and when people pray and when people dial up their expectancy, that God shakes things. And so we've been pressing the envelope for us in our own lives and our marriages and our finances and our bodies that need healing. We've been saying, God, would you come and would you shake us? And we've been looking at this word shaken, which is a biblical word. And as you look through the book of Acts, you'll find that there's a lot of times where God showed up and he actually shook people. In Acts 4, the main scripture for this entire series, in Acts 4.31, it says that when they prayed, that the room in which they were, it says that it was shaken. And something happened. Something came upon them that actually transformed their lives. And as a church, that's where we're at. We're saying, God, we, we want to fast and we want to pray and we want to believe that you'll come and you'll, you'll shake up our world. When we look at our lives and we look at the pressures that we face, we look at the circumstances that have come our ways, when we look at some of the tragedies that are surrounding us and some of the sicknesses that are upon our body, the temptations of our world and the demonic attacks, and you go down the list, we're we're immersed in this time where there's all of these pressures And this word shaken, if we could put it on the screen, has this idea that as you begin to pray, you're you're depending upon a power that will come and will move into you and move through you, if you will, by force or by power. And as we've been talking about shaking, what we want is we want to move these things in our life with force and with power. Not your own might, not your own strength, not your own power of positive thinking, not through your natural talents and abilities, but by the power of God. Because there's many things in our world, in our life today that need to be moved that can only be moved by Him. And the definition goes on and says, it's to remove obstacles or to shake off unwanted things. There's obstacles in your world that have either been placed there by the devil or by circumstances that are hindering you from reaching your full potential. There's also things maybe that you've allowed in your life that are unwanted things. Some of you addicted to pornography. Some of you struggling with even a a legal drug prescription or there might be some kind of addiction that's upon you that you got yourself into a situation and you're saying, I just can't seem to break this thing off my life. But there's this power that can come upon you called the Holy Spirit that can take these things and can remove them, can shake them off your life. That's what we've been talking about. 
But the last part of this definition is where I want to focus today. These three words. To arouse action. God doesn't come and touch you and fill you and heal you and empower you and love you as an end. Thank God that he comes and he heals us and he loves us. But we were saved and we were placed here and we've been shaken because there's a world around us that needs a shaking. And as the Holy Spirit comes and he, in, he invades your world and he begins to heal you and empower you and speak to you, we've got to recognize that Christianity isn't to make us happy or whole, although it is. It's also to make us purposeful. And so I want to talk this morning about moving from shaken to being a shaking. And I want to look at some realities. They're very simplistic. We probably know many of them, but I want to look at them didactically or systematically or sequentially. I want to look at a couple thoughts and I want you just to open up and listen very carefully about these important realities and what God's trying to do in your life personally, every single one of us. The first thing is this, is that we're living in desperate times. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to look around you and see that the world is coming apart at the seams. The wars and rumors of wars, the violence and the riots taking place in Egypt, the decline and collapse of financial uh, uh, institutions and uh, all of the houses that are going into foreclosure and marriages that are falling apart and, uh, falling about, uh, apart and uh, the increase of drugs. And you look across the board and you say, my goodness, man, this country, this world is in desperate need of God. And what's going to change our country, what's going to change our city, what will change your neighborhood, what will change your business place, what will change your household, it's the power of God. The second thing that we need to recognize is that not only do we live in desperate times, but we've been shaken to be a shaking, meaning God's come and saved you for those of you that have given your life to Christ. He came and saved you. He's restored you. He's healed you, he's empowered you, he's filled you so that you can become a shaking. You look in the book of Acts, time and time again, as they prayed and as God showed up, God shook them and they recognized, oh my goodness, this just wasn't for me. And they moved from being shaken, bam, and they went out and they began to be a shaking. Acts 2, as the whole New Testament church is being birthed, they go into the upper room, just like Jesus said. They had no idea. He just said, hey, listen, go wait in the upper room, and there's going to be a power that's going to come upon you. And they kind of had this idea that they're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and other parts. Of they kind of intellectually got, okay, I'm going to go up there and pray, and maybe he's going to tell us to go there. But the reality is that the Holy Spirit showed up. And came upon them. That room was filled with the power of God. Everybody's life was transformed. It went from head knowledge to heart. And they, they received an impartation of the Holy Spirit. And they left that room, walked down those stairs, and went out and preached. And 3,000 people got saved that day. 
in a matter of two weeks, 8,120, at least Scripture shows us, that there are over 8,000 people that gave their life to Christ because someone was shaken and they decided to be a shaking. In Acts 4, the Scripture that we've been looking at, you see that they went into the room and they prayed and the room was shaken. Acts 4.32 says, Then God's favor was upon them all. Why? So that they could be happy or whole? No, Scripture shows us exactly what they did. And I want to read to you a couple verses out of Acts 5, 12 through 16. And it starts with the word then. They were shaken. There has to be a then in your life. God comes and touches you and you're praying in the morning and you feel his presence comes upon you. You need to say, in Jesus' name, and then what? Would I do what I just received? What do I do with it? It says that they then, the apostles, performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. So they were shaken and they become a shaking. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. In fact, you go on in verse 28, it actually says that, that they were shaking up Jerusalem so much that, that the high officials said that Jerusalem was turned upside down because of their teaching. Don't ever preach that name again because you've filled, you've turned Jerusalem upside down. Even those that weren't part of this community called the way, this early Christian church, they're saying, something's shaking. They could even see it. Crowds, masses coming from everywhere. Lives being transformed. People being healed from diseases. Even the world is going, oh my gosh, what's happening? There's a shaking. Because a couple Christians decided to take their shaken and move it to a shaking. It says... As a result, people brought sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats so that so even Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. I mean, imagine, just imagine that for a second. You just sense that God is moving so much in you and through you that you just kind of look to the sun, someone's walking by and your shadow, ping, hits them and they get healed. I mean, it's with Peter, and, and I could just see him. They're all running. Hey, no cuts. I was here first. Hey, come on. They're looking at the sun, and here comes Peter. Where's the shadow? Okay, here comes. Ooh, ah! Healed. I mean, that's faith. There was something happening. And it wasn't just this thing for a certain dispensation. Time and time again, Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 6, Acts 10 with Cornelius, Acts 12, Acts 16 with Paul and Silas in jail. Over and over again, they were shaken. Bam, they took it to the world around them, and there was a shaking. And so I want to talk this morning about this area of being shaken. And I want to talk about this area about miracles and what they actually represent to us. And because I, I believe that not only is God shaking you, but he wants you to understand that what we're talking about this morning is for you, every person here. We're living in desperate times. We've been shaken to be a shaking, but we need to personalize it and say, you know what? God wants to use you to shake something. Wherever you're at in your life, 
whatever your knowledge or lack of knowledge is in God or the word, his will for your life is that every single person that can hear my voice would step into a faith element or into a faith position to say, God, you want to use me. I recently just read the story of two 10-year-old boys that were in a meeting in the underground church in China, which is now a couple hundred million people, three times the size of the Communist Party. It's growing predominantly through miracles and signs and wonders. But these two 10-year-old boys heard a pastor say, hey, God can use you to do miracles. And they actually believed it. It's an amazing thing. They actually thought that the Bible was true. And so they applied it to their life. And they went out into the surrounding villages. They led 10,000 people to Christ in 10 days, two 10-year-old boys. There was over a 1,000 documented miracles of people being healed, and eyes opening, because two 10-year-old boys said, well, the Bible must be true. I'm going to apply it to me. Bam, bam, bam. Thousands getting saved. Guys, it's for you. This isn't about a Pastor Frank Gifting or a Pastor Ken or a Pastor Walter or a Pastor Robert or a Pastor Glenda or who. It's for you. I mean, we've got to receive that this morning that, that there's, there's this desperate situation around us and God has placed you in your neighborhood, you in your job, you at your school. The reason he placed you there is because he's in you and he's placed you there to go be a shaking. And not only that, he doesn't want to just use everyone, but he wants to do miracles. Come on, we've got to unlock We've got to unlock the power of God. It's not just a cute church, excuse me, a, a cute church invite, although we want to invite people. It's not just a small group. Yes, we want the small group, but what we need more, it's the power of God that transforms lives. Those are all important, but they're a means to an end, and that is to get people to have a personal encounter with Jesus. Here's a scripture for you. Ephesians 3.20, we read it often here, one of our benchmark scriptures is a church. The second part we say all the time, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. I like that, that's a stretch scripture. But it starts by saying that by his mighty power at work within you, 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 everyone. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You get the full meal deal. He's not just your comforter. He's not just your healer. He is your empowerer. Jesus says in John 14, he says, Verily I say to you, verses 12 through 14, I tell you the truth. I mean, he's saying, verily, verily I say. In other words, it's really, really, really the truth, truth. I mean, Jesus being the truth is actually having to start the sentence saying, this is going to be so big, it's so huge, it's so beyond what you can grasp. I need to start it by saying, verily, verily I say unto you, I tell you the truth. This isn't a joke. I'm not trying to just kind of skate around some nebulous thought. I tell you the truth. This. Anyone. That means you. Is there any ones in the room? Come on. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works 
that I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name, I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's big. Listen, this is big. This is big. When you think of what Jesus did, blind eyes opened, deaf ears opened. He says, you're going to do those things. It's a part of being a Christian. During our conference, we just uh, heard this morning about a guy that came to the conference. He could barely see, had an eye problem for a long time. A bunch of teenagers got around him, prayed. His eyes were open perfectly. He ran out of here screaming and crying to go find his mom in the car to tell her that her, his eyes had been opened. They're out there crying, oh my gosh, they're crying, oh my gosh. God did it right here. A couple nights before that, one of the ladies came into the conference, deaf in one ear since birth, couldn't hear. They prayed, bam, ear opens up. She could hear stereo for the first time. That's real Christianity. It's what God's speaking to us. He's given us these things called spiritual gifts. And, you know, three of them, without going through the whole list, is the gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of miracles, the three power gifts. They're available to us all. He says, if you, can, if you ask anything, God, use me today, God, in miracles. He says, I, I will do it. of Christians say that they have never heard of of spiritual gifts before. 69% of Christians surveyed in our country said that they've heard of spiritual gifts, but they don't know what theirs are, and they don't know if they've ever operated in one. And 85% of pastors shamingly admitted that over the last 90 days, they haven't moved in any spiritual gifts. And we wonder why we're not seeing breakthrough in our country. We look over these third world countries and we see 20,000 saved a day in Africa, 30,000 a day in Russia, 35,000 a day in China. Signs and wonders and miracles happen. What's the difference? They're activating the power of God and what they're doing. So let's talk this morning about miracles. Again, I understand that when you just even bring up this subject in a group such as this, there's varying degrees of perceptions and perspectives and definitions. Some people would think that miracles aren't even for today. They were for this dispensation back in the first century. Some would say, well, I kind of believe in them, but they kind of weird me out when they talk about them. People get all freaked out, and I just don't like that. It's like, you know... You'll think different if you have stage four lung cancer and you need a miracle. You don't care how you think or act. You want God to show up and touch your body. You need a miracle in your life. You're going to probably lean a little bit more and listen a little bit more this morning than if you don't. There's a lot of reasons why. But let's just start by talking about what is a miracle. And Webster's definition says this about a miracle. It says it's an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. 
It's where God's super invades your natural. Another definition is it's a wonder or a marvel. Called signs and wonders, God does a sign and you wonder what just happened. It's a wonder. Another definition is it's an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature. In other words, it just, it can't line up naturally. It's impossible. There's no way, like I just read the story about one guy in India, his arm was cut off. In a tragic accident, they prayed and the arm grew back. That's like inexplicable. It just defied the laws of nature. And so it's held to be supernatural in origin or an act of God. A little boy was once asked, he says, what's a miracle to you? And the little boy says, when God happens and it doesn't make sense. You write anything down, write that down. God happens and that just didn't make sense, man. Just that was like, wow. I mean, just wow. But why do miracles happen? Have you ever, ever stopped and just said, okay, God, well, why do they even exist? I mean, let's, let's make sure that if we're going to ask for them, that we're truly aligning our lives to God's word and what he says about miracles. And I want to give you just five reasons why I think the Bible says that miracles are critical to us to move from being shaken to becoming a shaking. The first one is this. Miracles are to bring glory to God. It's not that he needs praise. But really when you think about it, the reason why God needs to get the glory is so that you don't. And the reality is that God allows these things to happen like the guy's arm that grows out or the other guy that was missing an eyeball and actually a a new eyeball formed in his socket that he could see. He does those things so that you can say, I didn't have anything to do with that. It's not like, oh yeah, that was me, man. I prayed, got another notch on my belt, another miracle. Hallelujah, miracle mark here. Hallelujah, amen. The Bible says, Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do so heartily unto God, not unto men. And so as we move forward and we pray, the reason why we're doing it is so that the world will look to Jesus and not to man. That they'll actually see that there's a God that exists and that he deserves all the glory that's due his name. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here are three guys that chose to stand against the flow. Nebuchadnezzar had built this statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and they were told they were supposed to bow. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he made this decree, and he said, you know, anytime the band starts up, you hear a little banjo going, dan I want all of you guys to bow. It's pretty simple. Banjo, bow. Two Bs. BB. Banjo, bow. Banjo, bow. So they got, I don't know if it was a banjo. It says some other kind of instruments. But you get my point. The entire nation bows, but these three, these three young men. They're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and he says, guys, 
Maybe I did not make this clear. Banjo bow. And they said to him, listen, they said, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. In other words, this isn't a matter about us. This isn't your way, my way. It's Yahweh. This isn't about me. If we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. They're thrown into the furnace. They're bound up. They turn it up seven times hotter, it says. And as they're looking in through whatever they look through in those days, it says that the guard saw a fourth figure likened unto the Son of God. It said, uh, Neb, you better check this out. And they look in there, it's kind of like, wow, miracle. They're just kind of going, hey, what's happening? I mean, it says that not even a hair was burned on their head. They're in a furnace. So they bring them out, and I could just see Neb. Hey, how you doing, pro? Mish, what's happening? A bed. Whoa, pretty cool. I mean, they're high-fiving them, and it's just like, wow. Listen to what King Nebuchadnezzar says, verse 28. Then, here's the then, there's a shaking. Something's going to be shaking now. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I make this decree. I mean, he's just, he's turned 180 degrees and now he turns everything that just happened. And he says, we're going to give glory to God for what we just experienced. If any people, whatever their race, their nation, their language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it says they're going to be torn from limb to limb. I'm going to take their house. I'm going to break it up in pieces. And he says, there is no other God that can rescue like this. Praise to the God, Shad. Mish and a bed. So a miracle brings glory to God. The world today is saying, well, there's no God. God's a tree, God's a flea, God's a bee, God's me. Why not ask God to do some miracles in our life where they just go, wow! There's a God. So God allows miracles to happen to bring glory for the sake of man, not as much just you. The second reason why God does miracles is to confirm God's word. And as you look throughout the Bible, you'll see that every miracle that ever happened in the Bible was to validate a truth in the Bible, not to contradict it. And I think we need to be careful in the days and seasons in which we live. As you read about the Bible talking about things happening in end times... We better make sure that what we're aligning ourselves to or submitting ourselves to in the teachings and different movements and different things going on, that what they're doing is aligning to the Bible. I'm all for miracles. I'm all for God doing powerful things, but not if it's contrary to his word. And God will use miracles to confirm his truth. Uh, recently, I was on a plane and we were flying to Japan. My, myself and a friend, we were speaking at a conference over in Japan this summer and 
there was a couple that was behind us. And uh, we got the opportunity to share with them a little bit. And so we started talking about the gospel and God and Jesus and Bible. And we had a very, very cordial conversation. Really didn't go anywhere. They really weren't interested because they thought that basically the Bible was just kind of a poetic book. And Jesus was just a good teacher and Christianity was for weak people. So, you know, you kind of end the conversation. You realize, ah, it's kind of a bummer they think that way. But so we're sitting there. A flight attendant walks by. She had just poured boiling water down her, down her arm. It was blistering. It was red. They were putting ice packs on it. There was a lot of commotion. They're running back up and down. And as she goes by, I just hear this little voice of God talking about this miracle thing and practice what you preach. Kind of, and it's, okay. I said, ma'am, excuse me. I said, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And I said, would you mind me? Would you take a risk? Can I pray for you to God to heal your arm? She goes, I would do anything at this point. So I just pray a simple prayer. I didn't get up and go, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Whoa, whoa. I just, I just kind of, ah, Jesus. No, not that bad either, but I just prayed. I said, God, God, you can do miracles. And Lord, I pray right now, you heal this lady's arm. In Jesus' name, amen. She goes to the back. Within 90 seconds, you hear this lady running down the aisle. Jesus power, Jesus power. She's running up the aisle. Her arm is completely healed. There's no blisters. There's no red. And she comes straight up to me and goes, Jesus power. I wanted to just kind of lean up over my seat and look over and go. But you know what? The miracle confirmed the word. I didn't have to say, ah, I told you so. <laughs> Frying your own grease. I mean, it was just simply that did it. Are you with me? So it confirms God's word. Thirdly, it builds faith in God. John 20, verses 30 through 31, it says that many miracles were performed by Jesus, more so than are even written in the book. And it says this in verse 31, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son. So miracles come into our world and our life so that we'll have faith to believe that God can do great things in our midst. It says that in Mark 2, they couldn't do miracles because of doubt and unbelief. And you're not necessarily a bad Christian or a weak Christian. If you have doubt, I doubt sometimes. I mean, there's times where I just doubt God. Or you can never show up. Or you can, it's, it's humanity. That's life. So God comes along and he surprises you. And he does something right around you that just goes, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for my dad. And he can do it for my sister. He can do it for God can do that. It builds faith. Many of you may have heard of the man, his name's David Young E. Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world. And I just recently heard the story of him as he was talking at a conference about the death of his five-year-old son at that time back in 1974. In Seoul, Korea, there were people that were uh, deranged people that were poisoning fruit. One day in particular, 30 kids had died because of the poisonous fruit. His son was one of them. And he's recounting the story of getting the phone call. He was in an elders meeting and the phone rang that your son was deathly ill. You must come home immediately. And as he came home, there was his boy dying, laying on the bed. 
And as he prayed, the boy went cold, the boy went stiff, the boy died. And as he's talking about that, he said he was beside himself and in the midst of this impossible situation, something welled up inside of him. And he says this, and I'm going to read it. This was a quote from the conference. He said, I simply did not want to accept the death of my son. After hours of intense prayer and crying, he died anyways. Beside himself, I watched, excuse me, I had to watch him grow cold and stiff, yet I still could not give up. I told God that I will not leave this room until you give my son back. And then my son lived. (laughs) I'm not saying that every time you pray for someone that's died that they're going to come to life again. It's God's part. What I'm excited about was Cho's part in the fact that he refused that situation. I don't know what that does to you, but that kind of builds faith in God for me. The story went on to say that the little boy at five years old was was interviewed and he said that when he went to heaven, Jesus says, you must go back because your father won't release you. I know there's some of you here and you go, ah, that really didn't happen. That's that's a good story. And that's bald-headed guy telling another, you know, cool story. But let me tell you something. It's too late. It already happened. You can't change that. You look at, guys, just let's fast forward to last weekend. Pastor Frank filled these altars with people, and we laid hands on people to be healed. The testimonies, even from last week and this week at the conference, are amazing. One lady came in 15 years, degenerative kidney disease, on on the list for a kidney transplant. We pray. She calls me this week, says she went to the doctor, documented from the doctor. Her kidneys are completely healed. She is completely done and healed and set free. It happened. That builds faith in God. I could go through a list. I've got about 15 or 20 of them on here in regards to what's just happened in the last couple days. Can I encourage you to do something for us? And I'm going to put an email up on the uh, screen. And I'd like everybody to write this down because you're probably thinking, well, a miracle hasn't happened to me, so I don't need it. Uh, They're going to happen to you today. (laughs) God may just touch you here in a a matter of minutes as we begin to pray. And and you'll want this because what we would like to do is we'd like to just uh, compile all the miracles and what God is saying to us as a church. And over the next four weeks, as Pastor Frank speaks about the supernatural, Super Sunday night as we talk about it, we'd love to be able to say, this is what God did, and this is what he 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 did. So we can celebrate and build our faith that as God shakes us, that we can be a shaking. Here's the last couple things, and we're going to close. Miracles bring freedom to God, excuse me, freedom in God. When we look at the world in which we live, people are bound. People are stuck. People are desperate. It's not going to be a book or another counseling situation. They need the power of God. Luke 8, where Jesus comes upon this demonized man living in a cemetery. He's demonized. He's homeless. He's naked. And he's living in a a cemetery. That's, That's a bad combination. It says the entire city was freaked out. They couldn't even do anything with this guy. 
But Jesus comes, the demons are cast out into a herd of pigs, and it says the guy set free that he goes into the city and he's telling everyone about the wondrous things that God has done. It doesn't say this, but I believe he was clothed. Guys, look at me. Just just listen for a second. There are people all around you that are stuck. They're wounded. They're desperate. Some of you young people have people around you that are contemplating suicide. They're depressed. People stuck on antidepressants. And there's people right now addicted to pornography. They're, They're all around you. And God reveals those things to you. Someone will come to you and say, oh, I just, I can't, I just can't do it any longer. And you're going, wow, that's a real bummer. You should call Pastor Mark Daniels. No, God put you there. You've been shaken. You put your hand on him. Say, I believe God can show up right now. Your job, listen to me. Your job is to be obedient. His job's to show up. You're successful simply because you're obedient. Listen, if God doesn't show up this morning, we're going to go have a salad. And I, and I don't feel bad because I'm doing my part. You're going to do your part. We're going to pray for people to be healed today. It just, it just takes so much pressure off to just say it's about him. He, he does it. My job is just simply to believe and obey. And his job is show up. And then lastly is this, is that miracles bring salvation to God. Every time that your heart beats, someone dies without Christ. In fact, 6,000 people have died without Christ since we've been in this church service. 144,000 today We'll go into eternity without Christ. 52,600,000 in the next year. And so God has given us at least one of the tools, miracles, signs and wonders, power of God, as a primary component to bring in a world to a Jesus that can help save them and heal them. If I could have the bands to the platform, please. Let me just finish where we began today. And that is, guys, we're living in such desperate times. I mean, I I see it every day. You go out into public and you just see people. They're like robots. There's just, there's no life there. They're, they're, They're going nowhere. And I get so excited about a service like this in the presence of God. But at the same hand, I, I kind of go through this mixed emotion because there's thousands of people out there that should be filling every single one of these seats at every one of our locations. That there's room for someone there. And God has come and he's shaken us so we can be a shaking. God wants to come and he, he, he wants to touch you today. He, he wants to empower you today. He wants to let you know that, that he believes in you. 
He wants you to live life to the full. John 10, 10. I've come to give you life, life more abundantly, to be used by Him to do extraordinary exploits. And it really comes down to whether you want to be a Nazareth Christian or a Capernaum Christian. You can have doubt and unbelief, or you're going to say, I believe. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. Say, God, like Isaiah the prophet said, hear my Lord, send me. We're going to believe God today as we close this service for some miracles. Last service, people healed. Saturday night, talking with one lady, had, I believe it's called Reuters Disease 217 Campus. Severe pain. Bam! It's healed. God's going to heal some people here today. God's going to heal some people at 217, at Mill Plain, at the Pearl. Why? Is because we're going to believe and we're going to pray.